You're listening to the pulpit ministry of North Life Baptist Church with Pastor Harley Snowd. At North Life Baptist Church, our mission is to encourage each person to take the steps of loving God, growing together, and serving others. If you would like more information about our church, please visit our website at www.northlife.church. Now, stay tuned for today's message. Well, as always, it's a privilege to be able to communicate God's Word. And uh, I trust you've come with a prepared heart, as well as with a Bible to follow along. Find the book of the book, the book of Revelation, the Revelation, uh, singular. It is only one Revelation, and we'll talk about who that is pertaining to. Um, we sang a little earlier about. Count your blessings, and one of the uh, stanzas said, So amid the conflict, whether great or small. And probably most of the conflicts we have seem pretty great. Usually, when they come, they don't come in small snippets, they come oftentimes in overwhelming challenges. And so the Conflicts that come and the difficulties that come need to be addressed from a biblical, a biblical perspective. And obviously, uh, Heath and Tony have been through some real difficulties. And yet God gives them a perspective how to go to the next step. I don't have to know everything about the future. I just need to know what God wants me to know about the future. And that's what, the, that's what the significance of the book of Revelation is. Uh, we have spent, I don't know, three, four, five weeks now uh, in our small groups uh, going chapter by chapter through the book of Revelation. And in your mind, it may not be the most, uh, your favorite uh, Bible study, uh, but it is essential. It's as essential as the Gospels, it's as essential as the Psalms. And so what I did is, in your bulletin, um, I've uh, entitled this Revelation, the Capstone of the Bible. Here's my prayer for tonight. And if we accomplish this task, um, it'll be by the grace of God. Number one, my prayer is that I want to be able to change how you view the book of Revelation. And number two, how you view the contemporary events, whether it's individual, corporate, or worldwide, how you view those things. And uh, our conversations oftentimes uh, reveal how we, how we view these current events. And so that's my twofold prayer is A, God would change how you view the book, and B, how you view contemporary events, whether they're victories or losses, whether it's the mundane or the exhilarating, um, that God would etch in your mind the truths of this wonderful book called The Revelation. Uh, I don't know if you're a note taker, and so let me get this out of the way right at the very on. Onset. If you have your bulletin, you're welcome to 
uh, fill in those blanks when I turned in my outline. I had these blanks full, and they uh, left them empty, and so I'm going to get it out of the way so I don't forget to do it. Um, the capstone of the Bible, the book of Revelation, is number one, for a purpose. Number two, with a promise. Number three, to a people, and that latter uh, point is um, not by, but from, from a prince. And if you'll catch those four things, I think perhaps that you'll be able to remember our thoughts for tonight. Uh, a capstone. If the book of Revelation is a capstone, what, what is a capstone? And to me, I'm a builder by trade. I've built things since I was a kid. My brother was a bricklayer, and, and he dragged me out to the basement and made me carry bricks and blocks and mud and, and gave me you know the worst jobs to do. And I watched as he would build things. And then later on, as I had the responsibility to build things myself, or um, uh, I would begin the project by putting in a, a foundation, and I dig as deep as the frost line or however uh, the, um, it was dictated I had to dig. And I would get down to that level and I'd put a little cement pad in. And then I would put, we wouldn't call it a cornerstone, but I'd put in the first block. And that block would be oriented a certain direction. And every other block that uh, was laid would follow the course of that block and then another course and then another course and then I'm out of the out of the hole and up above ground but that that first block was considered the cornerstone or the foundation block I would like to think in terms of the bible these 66 books that we carry in our hand that the book of genesis is the cornerstone the foundational block. It is the block upon which the entire Bible is constructed. In fact, if you're wrong about the book of Genesis, you'll be wrong about everything else in the Bible. But all the other 65 books fit together in another um, uh, component, as it were, in this construction project. And I get now after... Uh, Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and, and I keep building this pillar up out of the ground. But I get to that last book and I think to myself in terms of how I view this construction project, this pillar, there are blocks all the way around and they have holes in them and I've poured some cement down and put some rods down and I've done everything I can to make this secure but there's still a hole there that needs to be capped. That's how I view the book of Revelation. In fact, it's the capstone in the sense that, um, that it, even though it may not be a, a beautiful capstone, a fluted or a, a, a beveled or something that makes us, uh, catches our eye, it is that which, that which um, is the icing on the cake or the bow on the present. It's, it's the final touch. And without it, all the other 65 books, uh, in some regard, won't make any sense. 
Daniel says a lot about things that eventually are explained in the book of Revelation or embellished in the book of Revelation. Ezekiel says a lot of things about things that won't be explained for hundreds of years until the book of Revelation. Things that began in Genesis don't find their completion until we get to the book of the Revelation. This book is such a significant book that it impacts our entire life. It, um, it I think, probably is uh, what 1 Corinthians 13 talks about. When that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. The perfect Son of God, obviously, is not what he's talking about there in 1 Corinthians 13. But that which is complete, it is the completing stone of the entire um, communication of God to mankind. All that he wants us to know is found in this book. All that we need to know can be found by digging in this book. You say, will it change my health? Well, it might if you're wringing your hands about all the events of the world. Maybe it'll change your health. Will it change my wealth? Maybe it'll do that if you're thinking in terms of preserving your wealth in a way that disregards what God's Word says. It'll certainly change your outlook on life. Here's the first uh, um, part of this capstone. Look in verse 1 and 2. The book of Revelation, as the capstone of this pillar, is there, number one, for a purpose. See it? I hope you see it. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him, here it is, these two words, to show. Now, I understand we spell the word show, S-H-O-W, today in our contemporary language, but it's the same word, S-H-E-W, S-H-O-W. The word show means to, um, uh, to manifest, to uh, present. Uh, God's not interested in hiding things from us. Now, I understand he's not, he's not showing us everything, but he certainly is showing us Enough things, in fact, he said that, to show unto his servants things. Look down in verse 2. Of all things that he saw. He's, he's revealing things to us. We need to, we need to see the difficult things. Uh, just as, as well as the uh, pleasant things. Uh, some might say the book, of, uh, the book of Luke that reveals the account of of, of Lazarus and the rich man who died and went to hell, that it's a terrible story. But the truth is, that's what God needs to reveal to us. We need to know difficult things just as well as pleasant things. God doesn't hide from us. The book of Revelation is there to show us things, not to satisfy our curiosity. I suppose there are some people who dive into these 20, 22 chapters just because they had heard about the apocalypse and the, 
and the four horsemen, and they've heard all these stories, and they kind of come because I'd like to know more than somebody else. You might as, you're wasting your time. God doesn't show things to people just because of their curiosity. Uh, God, doesn't, uh, God doesn't reveal things in this book just to scare us. Again, the, the hell uh, in Luke chapter 16. That's not there to frighten us, but to reveal. Some people have a warped fascination with the macabre. They, they at Halloween love to go see the movie that scares them to death. Uh, but that's not the intention of the, um, that's not uh, the reason, that's not the purpose of this book. This book is not here to shock and awe us. It's not to dishearten or discourage us, but it is one for one objective, and that is to reveal to us those things that we need to know. Uh, the question might arise in your mind, well, wouldn't I be better off not knowing what the future is going to hold? Because some of the things that we've read over these past weeks in these chapters, some of these things are not very nice. Uh, stars falling from the sky and uh, blood up to the horse's uh, bridle. Um, all kinds of things that are uh, uh, a third of the trees dead and a third of men and the uh, creatures like locusts coming out of hell and those kinds of things aren't very wouldn't it be better if we just didn't know I guess you could ask Noah if when the day came that God spoke to him and said I want you to build an ark and I want you to build a boat and he said well why am I building this thing and God would say to him don't worry about why you're doing it. Just do what I tell you to do. Isn't that a terrible way to look at life? Just do what I tell you to do. God's so gracious. God said, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm going to, uh, for the next 120 years, plead with people as they observe this construction project. And then at the end of this time, uh, judgment will come. The flood will come. The rains will come. They'd never had rain. God's so gracious in that he reveals enough truth just to give us a sense of uh, the urgency. And so Noah began the project, and so we are today in this time. Look, not only are we seeing things, you see that in verse 1, but notice in verse 2, uh, 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 on in verse 1 there, uh, to show unto uh, his servants things. Here it is, this is what I was looking for which must shortly, uh, shortly come to pass. Uh, not only is it a matter of the things that are coming to pass, but how, what time frame. That also struck me as we went through these past weeks and looking through this again, that God gives time frames, and sometimes it's 42 months, and sometimes it's 1,200 days, and sometimes it's a time, and times, and a half a time, and uh, that kind of time frame is significant because we as human beings think in terms of time, and yet when he said it to John, I'm going to give you this information about those things, uh, they're going to come about shortly. In your mind, if somebody says this is going to happen shortly, you think to yourself, well, it'll happen tomorrow or maybe next week or next month or at the, at the latest next year. And John, when he put the final amen on the on 22nd chapter, uh, he must have thought that 
I'm an old man. I'm, I'm on this island all by myself and my family is gone and my friends are gone. And, and, and when Jesus said this is going to happen shortly, I'm expecting to pillow my head and tomorrow it's going to happen. And yet, the next day came and the next day, what he, what he may have had to remind himself of what Peter said that to God, a thousand years is but a day. I'm glad for the ambiguity of that word shortly. It just, it keeps me every day thinking, is this the day it's going to start? Is, is this the night? Is this the last night I pillow my head and tomorrow morning? It, it changes my view of the contemporary events. It changes my view um, of this book. It's shortly, it's in God's time, it's not in my time. God is so gracious to those that he loves that he gives us information about what's going to happen next. By the way, he's so gracious to those that he loves that reject him by giving information about what's coming next because it, it, it serves as a warning. You don't want to go there. And yet we know that many do reject him. So we see in verse 1 and 2 the purpose to show things and to show them in a timely fashion. Look in verse 3. What is the promise? If this book of Revelation is the capstone of the Scripture, I think that it's as much a promise as the promise given to Joshua when he had taken the mantle from Moses and now was leading the several million people into the promised land. And he said, this book of the law shall not depart. But thou shalt meditate in it day and night. And then shalt thou have good success. The promise found in verse number three is clear. Blessed is he that readeth. And I mentioned this earlier. Uh, that the idea of the E-T-H is the readeth and readeth and readeth. Fifty-some years since I started serving the Lord, and fifty-some years since I've read uh, the book of Revelation from uh, uh, the beginning to the end of it, and over and over and over again, and each time, sometimes scratching my head, thinking, that doesn't make sense, but another time comes along, and now it makes sense, and now that piece fits with this piece, and these pieces fit with those pieces, and, and, and the, uh, the, um, the blessing of it is that things are comprehended that could have never been comprehended if I hadn't just kept read F and F and keep going and over and over again. But it's not just reading it, but notice once the comprehension is there, I need to hear it. See, these people that we're going to talk about in just a moment, he said, he that hath an ear, let him hear. Uh, we're not talking about a biological ear. A lot of people hear things that don't hear. Uh, I've had those conversations um, with people that they nod. Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> they're not hearing a thing you say. Uh, they're blocking it out. In fact, in, in their mind, they're saying, I wish this conversation was over. I want to do something else. Your kids, 
you parents that have little kids. You know this, right, Nick? Your kids don't always hear you, do they? They nod. You see, the idea here is not just reading it and absorbing it comprehensively, but hearing it and absorbing it in your heart. And then it says not only hearing it, but keeping it. And what that does, reading and hearing and keeping and repetitively doing that, it provides a blessing. The promise is these 22 chapters are so valuable that they provide something that nothing else can provide. No amount of, no amount of uh, academic accomplishment no amount of vocational achievement can provide what these simple, perhaps complex, chapters can provide. They can't provide that for you. You can't get it in a, in a university. You can get it here. Blessed are they that readeth and hear and Keep those things. What things? The things we just talked about in verse 1 and 2. The things that are shown to us. You've got to show it to you. The things which are written therein, for the time is at hand. There again is the, uh, the implication of a time frame. It's here shortly. So if we're, if we're trying to put the book of Revelation in a, in a package... First of all, it has a purpose. It's not just there for those things we delineated before. Um, it has a promise. Uh, I like to be blessed of God. And the blessings of God are not just health and wealth and prosperity. The blessings of God, by the way, heaven, the blessing of God, we, we, a lot of Songs in time past in our hymn books uh, revolved around the streets of Pearl and uh, the mansion on the hilltop and all of those. That's not the blessing of God. Though those things are wonderful, the blessing of God is the comprehension of the magnitude of God's power and the magnitude of God's planning. From the beginning of time, before a star went into the sky, he knew what would happen. And he told it about it in the last chapter of the book of Revelation. Like Joseph, who was carted off from his home and for the next decades lived in Egypt and his brothers came and his dad died. And it, his dad died and they they thought he was going to take revenge on him. And now the old man Joseph looked at his brothers who had done him so badly. And he said, no. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He, he saw the big picture. He saw from the first star to the last amen, to the last tick of the clock. He saw from Genesis to Revelation. He saw the foreknowledge of God. God knows. Uh, Pastor Dave mentioned that this morning in class. And then again, he, God's in control. But he also limits. His protection and provision 
is the biggest blessing more than all the provisions monetarily. As the capstone of God's word, the book of Revelation is number three, if you'll look in verse four. It's addressed to a, a people. Now, I say a people because it specifies to, to the churches. Uh, these, these seven letters in chapter two and three are are just the tip of the iceberg because beneath the, beneath the tip, uh, tip that's seen, uh, these seven churches got the same information that we have here. And they had to build their lives uh, through all the difficulty. They had to build their lives on what God revealed to them in this wonderful book. He, and these, these were not church buildings. These were church peoples. Us. Human beings congregated in places all around Asia Minor. They were, they were intimate communications, these, these seven letters. In fact, one church, it was so intimate that he said to the church, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. If any man open up, I'll come in and sup with him. That's a pretty good pretty good offer, isn't it? I'd like him to come and sit across the table sometimes once in a while when I'm uh, in the evening and I, it'd be nice to have somebody just come sit across the table and drink a cup of coffee with me and chew the fat. I like that. But what, what would it be like if I recognized the intimacy of the invitation there in, in Revelation uh, where he says, I'll come in and sup with him. And I hear the knock. Early morning or late evening or midday. And I say, come on in. Let's, let's converse. Sup with him. Notice, notice not only is this specifically to the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace be to you and peace. Note, again, that's intimate conversation. Grace, peace uh, from him which is, which was, which is to come. And from the seven spirits are, are before his throne. Uh, it's not only... Uh, hold your hand here. Just back up a couple pages. It's worth looking at. Go to First, P, uh, First Peter chapter 2. I, I really identify with this verse. Honest. This is probably one of those verses that I can say this reflects me 100%. Look in chapter 2 and verse 9. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. I identify with that. I'm just a bit peculiar. But the problem is, is our... Our vocabulary defines peculiar as being odd. That's not what this is talking about. Peculiar in the sense of purchased, bought. I don't belong to me anymore. That's peculiar. That's different than all the world that's lost around me. People who are religious and lost need to be bought. That's a peculiarity that goes along with the child of God. 
that nobody else knows. You can be religious and lost. You can be irreligious and lost. You can be um, conservative and lost. You can be uh, liberal and lost. You can be any kind of human being on the face of the earth and be lost. But if you want to be part of this peculiar people, you're going to have to come to him and trust him. The ones that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see that in verse 9. Now go back to Revelation 1. So when you begin to read chapters 2 and 3 and and get into 4, 5, and 6 and start reading about the horsemen and uh, the vials and the trumpets and the woes and the, uh, the beast and all of those things. When you begin to read about all those things, if you can disregard what you, uh, what you don't understand about it, disregard it, just know this, that this revelation has been uniquely... Um, uniquely addressed to us. We who are peculiar. He's addressed this to us. I have a few letters that mean more than, than I could ever say. Uh, they, they wouldn't come from the queen or the president or the whoever. They come from people that are significant, who've made a who've made an investment in my life that, that I value. And, and so I look at this revelation of who he is, and I think to myself, how do I view this, him revealing himself to me, this peculiar person? Let me give you the last one. and You have the advantage of having one, two, three, four on your bulletin there, so you know that we're winding down, but look in number four, uh, verse five. As the capstone of the entire Bible, this is the beautiful thing at the very top. Genesis is the foundation, and all the other books are the blocks, and they just keep fitting into their respective. None of them is out of place. As this capstone is being placed on top of this great pillar, the revelation is of a person. Notice, not only is it of a person, but it is from a person. Did you see that in verse 5? And from Jesus Christ, and, and, and that and connects to verse 4, John to the seven churches, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth. At first I scratched my head. He's the king. No, he's the prince until that day when he comes back as the king. Uh, look in chapter 19, if you would. Look what it looks like when this king comes. 
uh, all the sentimental songs that have been written over the years, the king is coming and uh, so on. Those songs, they're fine because they stir some emotion in our hearts. But I don't think they capture the true picture of what it's going to look like when the king comes. Look in chapter 19, verse 11. I saw heaven opened. Behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him was called true, uh, faithful and true, and in righteousness he, uh, he doth uh, judge and make war, and, and his eyes were as, as a flame of fire. That's the same description in chapter 1. You can toggle back there again. Uh, in um, uh, chapter 1, verse 14. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. This one that is being depicted or revealed here. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. Crowns are given to kings. Look on down, verse 15. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, and with it he should smite the nations. He's going to bring them all to heel. Every king will fall prostrate at his feet. The kings and princes of Saudi Arabia will fall on their faces before this king. And, and it seems as though, it seems as though there is no repentance in their heart. There's no acknowledgement of Jesus as their Savior. And those same kings will find that it's too late, though they confess him as Lord. It's too late. The, the pampered prince, you know who that is. He's not a prince anymore. He's the king now. They called him the pampered prince before he became a king. They, I think they did it derogatorily, you know. Charles? Charles? Somebody had to iron his shoelaces every day for him. That's the pampered prince. <laughs> they had to put an inch of toothpaste on his toothpaste, uh, toothbrush. Uh, if he traveled, they had to take his commode seat, his own personal commode seat with them everywhere he went. Pampered prince. He won't be pampered anymore. He'll fall on his face and... Uh, it seems likely he's not saved from what you hear him say. And he'll acknowledge that he is the king of kings. Notice this in chapter 19, verse 15. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, these nations. Verse 16. And he hath on his vesture, his clothes, and on his thigh, this written. A name written, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Go back to our text in chapter 1. So as we put this little capstone, this book of Revelation on the entire Bible, we see it has a purpose, it has a promise. It's to a people, but it's from a prince who someday will come back as the king It'll be, it'll be shortly, he said. It's at hand, he said. And in, in connection to all of that, it says in verse 6, 
Not only he, in verse 5, he bought and loved us and washed us from our sins, but it says this in verse 6, and hath made us kings and priests unto God. I'm not so worried about elections and governments. You know this, um, Nahum, you probably haven't read the book of Nahum very often in your life, and, and I didn't either, but I get to the end of Nahum and he says, go up there and tell them people in Nineveh, um, your time is up. You see, a hundred and some odd years before, Jonah had preached to the city of Nineveh and they all repented. And then they all went back to their old ways in some, at some period in, gener- in the next generations. And then they became the, the plague to Israel. And God said, no more. Your pride and arrogance has come up before me. And that's the end of your nation. And the king, the king of Assyria, or the country of Assyria, the nation of Assyria, empire of Assyria went out of being. Here's what you could write at the very end of that little book. Every nation, every human nation, every human government has an expiration date stamped on it because it's, it's ruled by human beings. But when the king comes of his kingdom, there should be no end. So my... Uh, my filter, how I look at the events of life, political situations or uh, difficulties that come, my filter is this. The king is coming. I get involved and do what I can. Pray. But when God is done, all the millions of dollars and billions of dollars and powerful potentates in all the world isn't going to stop it. It's done. And he's going to come. And he's going to set things right. That brings me comfort. You say, but what about my kids and my grandkids? The same thing that Daniel's parent thought. I want everything to be pleasant for them, but everything's not going to be pleasant for them, but it can be blessed. That's what the objective of this chapter is. My pleasant, my uh, comfort. You know that missionary they were talking about in small groups today. He didn't know this week would be his last day on earth. Brother Paulie spoke to him on the phone just 15 minutes before. Either Afghan or Iran. I forget what country it was. Somebody killed him. He didn't know he was going to face the Lord. I don't know that. Do you? And we don't, and our children don't. And so my, my comfort doesn't come from um, tangible security. What a misnomer, social security. There could be nothing more insecure than social security. Uh, it's just, it's a misnomer. This capstone of this great book will change how you look at the world and its events. To the people who don't know, everything that happens to them is existential 
oh, if we don't change our thermostats in nine years, it's going to go, it's going to freeze, it's going to melt, it's going to blow up, it's going to implode, you know. And everything's falling apart. From, and the poor people, I, I, I pity them, you know. They have no clue. But for the child of God, the peculiar children of God, who have in their very hands this completed book, what, what saints of old would have longed to have had. Uh, Joshua only had a fraction of what we had. David only had a fraction of what we had. All the other apostles only had a fraction. And finally John came along and, got, and, and the Lord Jesus spoke to him and gave him these words found in this book. And he said, this is the last book and we're going to put the capstone on it. And, and John just ended it. Couldn't say anything else. He just said, even so, Come quickly. Amen. What a way to end a book. I've heard prayers ended that way. But to end a book, let it be so. And, and for us, we know. Number one, change how you look at world events. Change how you measure blessings. Don't look at your checkbook or your savings account or your whatever else it is, don't look at that and say this is, don't look at even your health, good or bad. That's not the measurement of blessings. Uh, Fanny Crosby, a lifetime of blindness. Um, others who have had excruciating illnesses and yet they were blessed of God. The sum total of your assets is not your blessing. It's God's blessing. That's the sum total. And then number three, change your focus. Get it off of the crisis and put it on Christ. That's, that's what I pray God would help me to do. Ignore the crisis. They're always coming. My family and my future. The crisis needs to be filtered through the events found in this book. Made us to be kings and priests. Verse 7, let's end here. Actually, 7 and 8. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. They also which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail. Because of him. Verse 8. Let's let him have the last word. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, saith the Lord. Let's pray.